Well, it is a W for the Vancouver Canucks, a much, much needed one, and a night where the special teams, which we have been criticizing and criticizing and criticizing, had at least half of a good game with the power play succeeding, with the penalty kill still struggling a little bit, but it's a big win. It's a six-goal performance from the Vancouver Canucks, a team that has been struggling to score, uh, losing games 2-1, losing games 3-2, as it is hailing outside aggressively on a lovely night in Vancouver. On the day the clocks roll back, it's Canucks 6, Stars 3. Let's break this one down for you, folks. It's Thatcher Demko and net for the Canucks, another excellent performance. Uh, again, three goals on less than 30 shots. You look at the numbers and you're like, ah, less than a 900 save percentage, probably not a great night for Demko. He was still fantastic, and he just is always good, and the Canucks are so lucky to have him. Uh, Hudobin played okay in net for the Stars, just got beat by a couple of really good shots, again, being one of the shorter goalies, as John Garrett likes to point out a lot. Uh, but we go to the first period. Uh, Chason is out. Dowling is in. Uh, Kyle Burrows also in the lineup tonight, and it's a huge chance. One minute in, Canucks really could have set the tone here. Tanner Pearson, backdoor tap-in pass to Tyler Myers. And he flubs it. He just misses it. This is the easiest goal Tyler Myers ever score. He doesn't put it home. And again, you know, the Canucks still made this one work out. But uh, a bit of an iffy start. Uh, and then eight minutes on the clock, it's uh, Alex Radulov, uh, Jamie Ben in two-on-one. Radulov outweighing the defender, finds Ben. And I still, I saw the replay. I still don't know if Demko made the save, but he's absolutely denied. Demko reaching out with the stick. It either got post or stick or both. Either way, Demko forced him to do it, uh, and an excellent, excellent play by the goaltender there. A minute later, Quinn Hughes takes a pretty weak uh, cross-checking penalty. It's one of those ones where they're really cracking down on it, but this one was more of a shove, and Raffle was like mid-turn, so he lost an edge, and his skates went out from under him. They call it, unfortunately, so Quinn Hughes into the box, and then it's Joe Pavelski tucking one in, basically below the goal line, just reaches back, taps it in. Uh, and it's another penalty kill a goal out, another shorthanded goal uh, or a power play goal against while the Canucks are shorthanded and the Canucks special teams woes are continuing. And it's, we're looking at this and thinking, oh boy, is this another night where the penalty kill is going to absolutely uh, kill the Canucks? And in this case, uh, it didn't, even though the penalty kill wasn't great, but we'll get to that. Uh, three minutes left in the in the first period, Niels Hoaglander uh, undressed the entire Stars roster Feeds Tanner Pearson on the back door. He just doesn't get all of it. It trickles into Hudobin's pad. They ended up reviewing this like literally an entire three minutes later. They're like, hey, maybe we should go look at that one uh, save there. They go back. They look at it. It clearly wasn't in. Uh, stopped on the goal line. Um, and then uh, it was a good start. Uh, it, it was a good start to the period and a good end to the period for the Canucks. The middle was the issue. It was all Dallas in the middle of the first period, but a, a good start to the period, good end to the period. Uh, it results in the Stars having a one nothing lead after one. Shots in the first were 11-11 to all square. We go to the second period. Canucks get onto the power play. Heiskanen takes a tripping penalty two minutes in, and here we go. We're thinking, oh boy, okay, can the power play at least at least look dangerous, right? They don't, they don't need to score on this one, but they need to at least look dangerous, and they score immediately. Hughes gets the puck off the faceoff. He feeds JT Miller, top of the faceoff circle, rips it high blocker side. Canucks finally converting on the power play. It's one to one. Miller gets another chance like two minutes later. It's an excellent breakaway pass. He's in all alone on Hudobin. Uh, Hudobin makes a good stop there. Miller is all over the ice uh, in this game. He had an excellent performance. Uh, almost had a chance for his second goal of the night there. 
Uh, and then about six minutes into the second period, a pretty dangerous play. It's Foxa. He sort of hangs the leg on Vasily Podkolzin. Very similar to what we saw Alex Edler on uh, on Zach Hyman last season. Uh, however, a little bit less momentum going into it, less speed. Still a dangerous hit. Uh, it's a two-minute penalty for Niang. Um, luckily, Podkolzin didn't miss a shift. Uh, and then on this power play... They score again. Elias Pettersson, a great move at the line uh, to gain the zone. And once they're set up, uh, Hughes feeds Pettersson and they're rotating, right? Like Pettersson and Hughes had swapped spots. Pettersson's at the point. Hughes plays it over to him. They're moving. They're doing something. They're not just all standing in their spots. Hughes feeds Pettersson and uh, he loads up. And this is one of the best shots you'll ever see. Like just flat out. It is one of the best shots uh, out there. It's a hard wrist shot through like six bodies that are screening the goaltender and he fires it off the right post off the back bar and straight out it is a absolute rocket of a wrister hudobin had no chance on it it's 2-1 for the canucks and the canucks just keep putting the pressure on they don't take the foot off the pedal they're not saying okay we have a two uh, we have a one goal lead let's chill back a little bit you know let's and then that's you know how the teams get back into the games um, they keep the, uh, the pressure on Tanner Pearson winning a battle sort of behind the net, gets a chance. It gets stopped. Then he wins another battle beside the net, tries to tuck it in. The rebound comes off of Hudobin, literally top of the crease. Uh, and Horvat just reaches a quick shot far side before Hudobin can get the pad out. Uh, two goal lead for the Canucks early off Horvat's fifth of the season. Like literally a minute and a half later though, halfway into the period, it is a, a big, big defensive lapse. And the defense wasn't great tonight for the Canucks. Luckily, you score six goals, your defense doesn't have to be great. Uh, Travis Hamanick just absolutely leaves Luke Lindenning all alone. He must have assumed that the center was going to come back and pick up the guy, uh, which didn't happen. But Hamanick is off in no man's land. And uh, it's Glenn Denning just able to walk right down Main Street in the middle of the ice. He beats Demko and it's 3-2. And I'm starting to get a little nervous. I'm like, okay, you let the team back in it a little bit. You scored three straight goals in about six minutes. Uh, immediately give up a goal. You can't lose the momentum here, right? Um, you see this happen all the time where a quick goal for one team deflates the other team, deflates the crowd a little bit, and they try to put on pressure. But the Canucks uh, didn't really allow that to happen. So Canucks go back to the power play. About two minutes later, it's uh, Kivy Ranta with a trip. Um, and then there's another penalty about 50 seconds into that as, as Pedersen gets cross-checked in front. So it's a five on three for a minute and 11 seconds. Elias Pedersen, another great chance here, a wrister that's absolutely robbed by the glove of Kudobin. Uh, and then both of these penalties get killed off. So the Canucks score on their first two power plays of the, power plays of the night and on this five on three, they fail to convert. So uh, two for four on the power play to that point. Solid chances though, nothing to complain about too much on that power play. Um, a couple of minutes later, 440 to go. It's a two on one. Uh, for Dallas, uh, that results in, uh, Foxa all alone, Demko making a really good pad stop here and the Canucks turn up ice. It's, it's Connor Garland. It's Vasily Podkolzin two on one Podkolzin does a little, uh, or Garland does a little sutter step to make the defense, uh, the defenseman go a little bit too far back, fires it across to Podkolzin and Vasily Podkolzin just is a highlight reel machine. Uh, it's only his third goal of the season, but it is an absolute rocket of a wrist shot. Uh, he's on his off wing, so he's sort of reaching back for it, using the momentum, uh, outweights the goalie as Hudobin kind of slides over, and he just puts it under the bar. A beautiful shot by Pod Colson, his third of the season, uh, and he has been uh, really, really, really good uh, for the Canucks uh, and a really valuable piece. Uh, he's play, He played 14 and a half minutes tonight, which might be the most he's played, uh, only two seconds less than Connor Garland uh, in this one. And, you know, playing with the lead does help, give him a couple shifts later in the game, but... 
Uh, he had a really, really solid night tonight. So it's 4-2. Uh, OEL then gets called, Oliver ekman Larson gets called for two penalties at the same time with 30 seconds to go. It's not something you see very often in the NHL, but he cross-checked a guy, then slashed a guy. So it's a four-minute power play for the Stars, um, but we'll go to the third for that. A much better period for the Canucks here, though. They outshoot the Stars 16-8 to and come out of it with a 4-2 lead. So we go to the third period, uh, and the Stars have three and a half minutes of a power play here. Uh, the Canucks kill off the first power play, and right as time is about to run out, uh, it's a Ryan Suter shot from the point, tipped by Jamie Benn, gets through Demko to make it 4-3. Then the Canucks get their fifth man advantage of the game. Besser's hauled down by Hockenpah, 12 and a half minutes to go, and this power play was bad. <laughs> this was the one power play that the Canucks uh, just looked like the old Canucks, very stale and didn't get much going. No shots on this one, uh, sort of shades of the last few games. Um, but luckily, they didn't uh, sort of stick with that bad power play because a high stick gives the Canucks another power play. They're sixth of the game, and they convert again. It's JT Miller, right-hand face-off dot. Again, they're all switching spots. That's not his normal face-off dot, but they've all been moving around, and it's a really good... It's just a rocket of a shot near side post beating Hudobin, and the Canucks are up 5-3. to three. Back to the two-goal lead. Um, jo- Jamie Benn then gets a breakaway a couple seconds later. Uh, and Demko robs him. De- uh, Jamie Ben does the old sort of like fake backhand, go forehand, and quick try to tuck it five hole while you get the goalie because you try to get the goalie to move laterally and that opens the legs up a little bit. Then you try to sneak it five hole. Demko's able to close the legs. Hamannick's there to sort of make sure it doesn't go in. Uh, and it's still a two goal game. Hudoma gets pulled. JT Miller fires one looking for the hat trick, just misses. Uh, and then about 30 seconds later, it's Brock Besser hitting the post from center ice, going in sharp angle, basically just above the goal line, tucks it in, and the Canucks win it 6-3. to three. Uh, It was a big win. It was a win the Canucks needed to get. Uh, they couldn't f- afford to really fall further down the standings uh, to like 4-7-1. and one. They're up to 5-6-1. and one. Once again, one game below 500. They just need to get over this hill. Uh, Anaheim should be a decent opportunity for them to do so. I believe that game is on Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken. Checking really quick. Game is on Tuesday at 7 p.m. And it's the final game of the Canucks seven-game homestand before they go on a mini road trip against the Avs and the Jets. Oh, wait, no. There's a... No, it's not a mini road trip. It is a three-game road trip uh, against the Avs, the Golden Knights, and the Ducks. And they come back home. Uh, So a good win for the Canucks, a much-needed win. Let's get into my pluses for the night, my minuses for the night. Let's start with the minuses, just so we get the sadness out of the way, and then we'll go to the pluses. uh, Because this is a game that uh, we should be happy about. The Canucks played well. Uh, There still are holes here. It's not like everything's fixed. Uh, There still are are holes they need to fix. Uh, But they went out, they converted, they scored some goals, and got the job done. So the minuses... um, They've allowed, they allowed the first goal again. I think they mentioned on the broadcast it was 10 out of the 12 games so far this season. They've allowed the first goal. Uh, you can't keep doing that. <laughs> like Eventually, you have to stop allowing the first goal. Um, the fourth straight game that the Canucks have allowed multiple power play goals against. Uh, the penalty kill is still struggling. I don't know what, how many opportunities they had tonight. Uh, Dallas went two for three on the power play tonight. Uh, and the Canucks, you know, the, the, the penalty kill is still struggling. Luckily it didn't cost the Canucks the game tonight. Um, but if it was, you know, if it had been a three, two game, uh, that very well could have been a difference maker in the negative direction. So they do need to sort that out. Luckily the power play for the Canucks looked a little bit better to counteract it. Um, but that penalty kill does need to get better because I think it was sitting at, uh, 66.7. Uh, after that last game or 70% or something around there. Uh, and it will drop further tonight uh, as they allow two goals on three opportunities. 
Uh, and then the four, the third minus, my final minus. Actually, no, it was the same one. Penalty kill still struggled. I, I wrote it down twice. Uh, but those are my main minuses for the game. Other than that, I thought um, everyone was fine. I thought Myers had a bit of an iffy game. Um, like the one goal that he could have scored and then the, the giveaway uh, or the one play that... Um, I don't know if it led exactly to a goal against. I'm kind of forgetting what happened uh, at parts of this game. But um, I thought Myers looked kind of iffy. He took a bad penalty. Um, just kind of... or did, No, he didn't take a penalty. I'm all over the place with what Tyler Myers did tonight. Um, but there, there were some, there were some issues there. Um, on the plus side though, the power play is the biggest one, right? It's the obvious one. It's the one that Canucks have been struggling with something like 14% of the power play this season. Um, the power play was shooting the puck and they were moving. Uh, my main criticism for the Canucks power play for the last, how long have I been doing this? 11 months has been that the power play doesn't move, right? Everyone stands in their position and they just pass the puck back and forth waiting for something to happen. But now they're sort of cycling a little bit. They're switching positions. They're moving with their passes. They're following their passes, giving opportunities to cause some confusion, maybe have two guys ending up on one guy. And then that way you have uh, basically a four on two on the rest of the ice, right? Um, and that it worked really well tonight. The movement, uh, getting shots off on the power play was huge. Elias Pettersson just firing rockets, Miller firing shots, Hughes was firing shots from the point. Um, a really good night for the power play. Uh, and a big part of that, my second plus, is that they're using JT Miller as a downhill option on the power play. Uh, and it's similar to what uh, Edmonton does with Connor McDavid, where they sort of just get him to go back to the blue line and then get, to the, get him the puck, and then he can sort of skate in, and he can use that momentum to open up some ice and get a shot off. And they did that tonight. And I think his um, one of his goals basically was him on the left-hand side. And he was able to get the puck and he was able to skate down. He has about 10 feet of room that he can skate into and really lean into a shot. And that just opens up more possibilities around the ice as well because it draws people in. And then you can make a pass or you can try to get a shot off. And that's what he did tonight, uh, which uh, was excellent. Um, and then the biggest, uh, the last two minuses are uh, the points that were had. Uh, a three-point night. For Quinn Hughes, uh, three assists, and they were all first assists. First assist on the first Miller goal, first assist on the Pedersen goal, both of those on the power play, and then the, the first assist on the last Miller goal, also on the power play. So three power play assists, Quinn Hughes just quarterbacking the power play, racking up the points, and also three points for Elias Pedersen tonight, one goal and two assists with the second goal of the game. Uh, and then assists on the Besser empty netter and the Miller goal right before that. A three-point night for Bo Horvat, who had a goal and two assists. He had the uh, the second assist on the Pedersen goal, uh, the second assist on the Pogolzin goal, and the goal, uh, the third goal of the game uh, that he tucked in from Tanner Pearson and OEL. So um, points all around on the night. Bo Horvat playing 21 minutes. Uh, a big shout out again, JT Miller also in the faceoff circle. I think he was something like uh, like nine for eleven, or or like seven for nine or something around that. Like he only lost I think two faceoffs all game. Uh, JT Miller was phenomenal in the circle. Excellent game for JT Miller. You look at his stat line, right? Two goals, four shots, five hits, seventy nine percent in the faceoff circle. That is an excellent, excellent score line. Uh, led the team in hits by far tonight as well. Um, so yeah, those are my main thoughts for the game. Uh, I thought it was a good one. If we take a look at where this leaves the Canucks in the standing, let's pull up the Pacific division here. Edmonton still leading the way with 18 points. Uh, the Canucks are in seventh in the division still, but if they go out and they take down Anaheim, things start to look a little bit better. They leapfrog LA and Vegas, although I'm sure they both play, uh, in the coming days. So Vegas lost tonight against Detroit. 
uh, and they don't play. They play uh, Tuesday at uh, the same time as the Canucks against Seattle. So they'll probably win that one, but it gets the Canucks back sort of into that mix in the middle, right? Where you can try to shoot for that third spot in the division or a wild card spot. They just need to string together a few wins, get above 500, uh, and things will start to look a little bit better. All right, let's get to your thoughts on this one. I will put the standings away. And I've got a lot of messages here as we have, how many people are in here? 124 people. Thank you guys very much for joining. Hit the like button while you're here. Uh, let's go over some of the thoughts, some of the questions. Victoria with the first question that I'll grab here and it didn't show up. There we go. Uh, Victoria saying, am I being dramatic thinking that this game was a must win? Um, no games this early in the season are a must win. However, for the Canucks, a lot of games this season are a must win because of the team they've put together and where they've positioned themselves to be in the playoff race, right? This team has positioned themselves as sort of a bubble team that will shoot for a third or fourth place in the division, whether it's uh, getting a spot through the division or a wild card spot uh, and, you know, stringing together losses, especially on home ice being four and seven and one uh, things start to look really bleak because now you don't just need to start winning more games. You need to start going on a string of wins. I think what was most important about this game wasn't whether they won or not, but how they won or not, if that makes sense. They needed the power play to start clicking. One for 20 through the homestand so far. They score three tonight, uh, and suddenly the numbers don't look so bad, right? Four for 26, which isn't good, but it's, you know, in the teens instead of being at 5%. Uh, the penalty killed needs work, uh, and that is very, very clear. Um that's again, that's, that's the most alarming thing uh, that that penalty kill needs to work it out. And the power play needs to be consistently good. Now we can't go back to these stretches where the power play doesn't convert. Uh, we need it to stay consistent. Um, let's find some more questions here. Uh, monotone cube saying, I liked the pod Colson Garland and Dickinson line. I say, keep them together and see if they create some chemistry. Yeah. It's a Garland is just such a good grinder on the ice. Like he's so good at, at getting possession and making a play. Pod Colson just has a great shot, uh, and I've been so impressed with him. So, yeah, I'm, I was fine with that line. Uh, Keegan saying, way better power play tonight, especially that third goal with the switch side by Miller. Exactly, yeah. And the fact that the power play was switching sides, being dynamic, was the biggest thing of this game. Uh, Jeremy saying, those cross-check calls are a bad precedence, especially, especially when the refs will stop calling them during playoffs. Yeah, this is they're doing the exact same approach that they did with hooking back like 10 years ago. Because uh, it was a very sort of clutch and grab league, you know, lots of obstruction. And then they they started cracking down on hooking. And it only took a while for it to stop happening, basically, right? We don't see a lot of hooking penalties anymore just because it's so easy to get called against you. Um, so things did sort of transition from that. I wonder if that'll be the case. If people, I think what they're just trying to get people to stop cross-checking people in the back. In your lower back, you have no padding. Like basically from like the, the bottom third of your spine um, down to like your tailbone doesn't really have any padding on it. And you have like hockey pants on, but you can kind of go at an angle and get around them and it just hurts. So I can see why they're trying to get out of the game. They, they do need to, I think, focus more on the aggressiveness of it. Like the hard, like jabbing a guy with your stick instead of the sort of shove that we saw Quinn Hughes do. Cause that's more of a spacing thing and i i just don't i don't like that being the precedent i i'm okay with the stuff in front of the net like the the cross checking because we you, if you look at highlights you see guys just 
six in a row. I, Eric Goodbranson does this a lot, for example. He did a lot in a Canucks uniform. So I'm fine with him taking that out of the game. But yeah, uh, in the playoffs, of course, it's a whole different rule book, which is one of my biggest pet peeves with the NHL. Um, but yeah, I think that's a, a fair statement. Uh, Earl saying Pedersen needs to have that shoot first mentality. And I think he did tonight. Uh, we saw him just letting pucks go. He had four shots on goal tonight, which is totally fine. Uh, and I think the goal he scored and then the shot that was saved by the glove of Hudobin that basically knocked Hudobin over. Um, I think those will give him more confidence. And I think now he's, he's getting it dialed in, right? Cause we, we saw him last year a lot, just missing the net just by an inch. But as he gets it dialed in, that confidence comes up, and now he knows that he can just pick any spot on the net and hit it. Uh, so I think we'll see more shooting uh, from him. Asian goalie saying, Pod Colson is starting to show he is worth a spot on the roster, loving the energy shots and hits all around. Pod Colson is the type of player that we are going to just come to love. Whether he turns into the first line 50 to 60 point player that we hope, we d- that we hope he does, or if he's like a 35 point player that's physical and does what he's doing now, right? Can get those sort of highlight real shots and goals, um, but also going out there, throwing the body and just getting involved, driving the net. Um, he's going to be a fan favorite, whether he's as successful as we hope or not. Um, let's see here. Kai saying, I love the chemistry that Garland and Pau Colson are getting these last couple of games. I would love to see Horvat centering that line and then moving Dickinson with Pearson and Hoaglander. Yeah, it's uh, Garland Buckles and have looked good together. Um, I don't know. Yeah, mo- getting rid of the um, Horvat Pearson thing is one of those things where I like the idea. And then right when I start thinking about it, they go out and they work together well and they score. Uh, I mean, Bo Horvat having six shots tonight, Tanner Pearson having five. Uh, those two played well. And Tanner Pearson had five shots, didn't play a second of power play time. Uh, so I thought Tanner Pearson had a pretty good game after having kind of a rough one uh, against Nashville the other night. Um, yeah, I, I think at this point you keep the lines as they were tonight. I guarantee there will be no roster changes going into the next game. Uh, cause that's just not the way Travis green rolls. Uh, Brian saying if there was a redraft in 18, would Quinn Hughes be drafted first overall? Um, definitely possible. I don't remember exactly who was picked. That was Darlene, Svechnikov, Kokinami, Kachuk. Um, I think he'd be up there for sure. I think Kachuk would be up there as well. Um, Darlene would still be up there. Uh, Svechnikov would still be up there. Uh, but definitely a real chance, uh, that, that Hughes would go first. I think that would be pretty fair. Sonny's saying the crowd giving the team a standing ovation at the end of the game shows just how much this game did not for the players, but for the fans, everyone was feeling the pressure. Yeah. And I, I felt that, uh, in the exact same way when I went to the Rangers game last week. Um, where the Canucks were down two goals and they looked pretty bad. Like they, they weren't playing well. And then they came back, they tied it. And then everyone was still feeling kind of iffy. And then Demko went on that miraculous sequence of saves. Uh, and then the crowd got really invested and then the Miller goal and then the crowd was fired up. Right. So it's, it's very quick, uh, quick turning. Uh, and again, you know, if the Canucks lose a bad game again, the team, the, fan base is going to turn negative on it because they can't afford to have these bad performances. If you lose games, at least go out and put out a good effort. Um, like we saw against the Detroit Red Wings earlier in the season, <clears throat> excuse me, when they got basically goalied by Thomas Grice, they had 41 shots on net. Uh, you want those performances when you are going to lose. Uh, Cause if you play bad, you're just going to lose and you don't have a chance to sneak out a win. Hope asking, do you think Pullman needs to come off of the PK? 
Um, I liked Pullman's mentality on shot blocking. Uh, he had three blocks tonight and he got hurt from the second one and then he went out and blocked another one. Um, I thought he was okay. I don't know exactly what the problem is on the penalty kill. I haven't like watched any film uh, too in depth yet. Um, so I don't know if it's a personnel issue or not. I haven't been too upset with Pullman so far though. Sonny's saying Pearson finally being moved to the third line has made the team better. Um, yeah, and I, again, I kind of agree with that. Um, I, I think having Pearson on the third line just kind of makes sense because of the the firepower that the, the top six kind of have. Uh, Jeremy's saying we still have to be better defensively. Too many odd man rushers and scoring chances. We miss Sutter on the PK for his faceoffs, and we miss Mott for his puck battles. I agree. Um, look, the Canucks had three goals tonight. It could have been more, right? There was the Jamie Ben breakaway. Um, there was another breakaway. Uh, I think Rupi Hints had multiple chances. Um, and again, if it wasn't Thatcher Demko net, this could have been a five, five game by the end of the third. Uh, and I, I think Demko does hide a lot of the issues with the defense. Um, even though sure, it might be an improved defense from last year. Um, but I think if you put, you know, maybe if Halak is in net tonight, this game might not go the same way, even though the Canucks were the better team on the ice. Uh, Scott asking, speaking of Halak, does Halak get the crease on Tuesday? I think they have to go back to him. And I, I think you sort of like within the next couple of games. And I, if you look at the schedule, they have the Ducks on Tuesday. They have the Avs on Thursday and the Golden Knights Saturday and then the Ducks on Sunday. So you probably want to. This is tricky because you want Halak to get one of these games. There is a back to back Saturday, Sunday in a week from now. Is that too long between games for Halak is is kind of a tricky question, right? You could give Halak this game on Tuesday saying, you know, it's the Ducks. We might we probably still win or like we still have a good chance of winning with a backup. Or you say, hey, we need to beat the Ducks. Let's throw everything we have at this game because we're, we're probably going to lose to the Avalanche on Thursday anyways. Right. And then you can put Halak in for that game. But. If you're not going to put him in Tuesday, you're not going to put him in Thursday either because he's going to play one of the back-to-backs uh, because they're playing on the road in Vegas on Saturday and then on the road in Anaheim on Sunday. And it's not even a 24-hour difference. The The Saturday game's at 7, the Sunday game's at 5. So it's only you only get about 19 hours from the end of one game to the start of the next one. So each goalie will get a start there. And if I would bet Demko gets the Saturday nighter against uh, Vegas and then Halak will get the Sunday. So... If they don't give it to him tomorrow, then we'll see Halak on or on Tuesday. Then we'll see Halak on Sunday. Uh, Myers was just sloppy. Lauren saying Myers is more than just iffy. Uh, time for Augie saying the Canucks were the better team. So that's good. Yeah, the Canucks were the better team tonight. Uh, and that is what they needed. Uh, Dallas has been, you know, kind of in the same boat as the Canucks so far this year. They were a 500 team coming into this one. Uh, but the Canucks beat a team that if they're going to be a playoff team, that's a team they should beat. Uh, we'll scroll a little bit here. Jogpal saying that this game is why we shouldn't think about trading JT Miller. Yeah, it's it's one of those asset management things, right? If the Canucks are successful this year, then you don't trade him, right? You obviously he you 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 don't bother. Uh, but if the team is you know well out of a playoff spot, then you might consider it just because of his age. But you know we'll see by then. Uh, Lauren saying, does Demko have any real chance for winning the Vesna? I feel like he gets majorly overlooked. Um, I think the league is sort of on notice on Thatcher Demko. Um, I, I, I don't think 
people are, are like low on him around the league. Um, if you look by things like goals saved above expected, which is a, a pretty good metric for goalies, you get, you have save percentage, uh, which tells a bit of the story. And then you have things like goals saved above expected, which, um, takes things like shot location and everything into account. Um, Demko stats right now, he has a 920 save percentage and a 255 goals against average. That is really, really good. Like that is, uh, that is not something to be ashamed of. That is a top goalie in the NHL. The issue is there's a lot of goalies that are also doing very well right now. You have Freddie Anderson putting up a, a nine. Uh, he has a 939 so far. Um, Jacob Markstrom has a 942. Jacob Markstrom has four shutouts in nine games. He is my uh, my current front runner for the Vezina. You have Freddie Anderson. Jack Campbell has a 936 through 10 games. Shesterkin has a 930. Uh, Carter Hart has a 926. Um, you know, Saros is at 925. There's so many goalies that have started the season hot. I'm sure a lot of those will trail off as we go. Cause there's a lot of goalies who also started really bad. Um, but again, if Demko can keep up, you know, like a 925 all season, then he'll be in the conversation, uh, for sure. Uh, Leo saying, I think the Canucks should consider trying Pedersen and Hoagland on the penalty kill. Um, I think they would be good on the penalty kill. The problem is you put them on the penalty kill. You have to take that ice time away from somewhere else. Right. Um, because how, how long did Patterson play tonight? Patterson played 18 and a half minutes. Hoaglander played 15 and a half. So Hoaglander can't afford more time. Hoaglander's not on the power play. Uh, and considering power play one basically played all of the power plays, it seems like, um, so yeah, you you probably could give Hoaglander some of the time again. I don't know if you want him to be the one eating that time up. Uh, Pedersen, though, you probably want him to play like 21 minutes a night and none of that on the penalty kill just because he's out there to score. Um, but I, I, I could see it. Uh, Agam saying chase on scratched and the power play works. Hmm. Yeah. Fair point. Fair point. Uh, maybe they don't need a, a power play specialist in chase on down low. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see chase on for a while, especially, you know, when other guys come back in the lineup, if Tyler Mott's back in the lineup, then why would you have chase on in? Right. He's now behind guys like Dowling and Mott. Uh, and, and I know that, you know, Travis green likes, uh, Dowling. He play, only played eight minutes tonight. Uh, Lamico played 10, uh, Bailey only played four and a half. So if you are looking for someone to maybe come out of the lineup, Justin Bailey might be that guy, uh, played four forty-seven and was a minus one tonight. Uh, let's scroll a little bit here. Uh, lots of people saying yeah, you don't want Pedersen and Hoaglander blocking shots on the penalty kill. That's totally fair. Um, unless you're John Tortorella, then you do want them blocking every shot possible. Um, Kai saying adding Brock Besser to power play one makes a huge difference. Adds another scoring threat on the ice and allows the power play to work down low for a bit instead of Hughes, Miller, and Pedersen uh, passing back and forth. I agree. Yeah, it's uh, it's another lethal option, right? You now have five guys on that power play who have good shots, who can score. Um, and, and I think that does uh, add a lot uh, to a power play, just having so many options. Uh, so how are you doing saying only power play you didn't like was the Canucks five on three. I agree. That was the one that I criticized as well. Uh, Travis green. This is an interesting one. Hot take. I wouldn't mind getting Beagle back for the penalty kill. If Arizona were to retain salary and we're in a position to buy at the deadline, that is an interesting take. You'd put him in instead of Lamico. I think this is only an issue if we don't have Brandon Sutter coming back at any point this season, right? Because we're talking the deadline, we're talking three and a half, four months from now, right? If we still don't have Brandon Sutter by then, then yeah, they probably do want to add a penalty killer. 
um, in that vein, right? And then you could pull a guy like Lamico out of the lineup. Uh, but hopefully Sutter's back by then, and then you wouldn't really have anyone you'd be willing to take out of the lineup to put Beagle in. You're not taking Dickinson out of the lineup to put Beagle in. Um, so I, I don't think that's... Um, I think that would only happen if Sutter weren't to come back. Uh, Tyson's saying the fourth line struggled tonight for sure, didn't generate much, and got hemmed in quite a bit. Mott will be a huge addition. Yeah, having Mott as a fourth liner is going to be huge, and I really hope he's back uh, in the next couple of days here. I think... Uh, isn't he eligible to play in like a week or something? Or is he eligible already? I don't remember what the exact uh, the exact thing is, but having him back in the lineup will be a huge boon. Hopefully to that penalty kill, which needs all the help it can get. Uh, Lauren asking if anyone has the timeline on Mott. I don't. I know that he skated in a full contact jersey a few days ago, uh, so he should be close. Uh, and, he, and he did media and, and guys don't do media if they're still injured, like if they're still actually injured. Um, I, I think he got surgery on a bulging disc in his neck. Um, so once he's once he's back, he should be good. <laughs> A couple more questions we will take here. Uh, Justin saying snatcher Demko was amazing. Absolutely. Demko has been such a, an absolute stud so far this season. And again, I don't think his 920 save percentage tells the whole story. Uh, I think he has been a reason that Canucks stay in games. The reason that lots of these games they're losing are only one goal games. Uh, it's not because their goaltending is letting goals in. It's because they, uh, they're not scoring enough goals, which they did tonight, which was good. Uh, Justin saying, what do you think about the four minute call in OEL? Uh, I thought it was a bit softer. The power play looked much more dangerous tonight, even on the ones they don't score on. Um, I have a this is I have an interesting take on this one because they called two penalties on the same guy at the same time. This is something that doesn't happen very often. Usually, the second one has to be very egregious for them to bother, and they'll usually just take the first one anyways. However, I am always on team call the rule book. So if a guy commits two infractions that on their own would be called penalties. I think they should get called. If a team is on the penalty kill, it shouldn't take something egregious to get another penalty like it usually does in the NHL, right? If a team's already shorthanded, the refs are usually pretty lenient on them. So I'm always a proponent of just call the rule book, but the fact is they, they won't normally make those calls. Uh, normally it would just be the two minutes, um, but I don't think they were unfair. Justin saying Pod's, Pod's score tonight, so don't worry, we'll see him benched. No, I, I think I think Pod Colson has cemented a spot here. Uh, it would take a really rough stretch. I think I, I can't see how Travis Green would look at the way Pod Colson's been playing and be like, ah, eh, we don't need that in the lineup, right? The, the drive and determination he has, uh, everything he adds for this team is, is so valuable, uh, especially on like a third line. There's the energy that he brings and sort of the grind mentality, and he's got a hell of a shot. Uh, so I, I don't see him leaving the lineup. John saying we really shouldn't be underestimating, underestimating Anaheim. Uh, they're overachieving, but they've had a, we've, they've had a hot start and are currently in a playoff spot. Um, yeah, no, I'm not underestimating, underestimating Anaheim. I was just looking at it and saying out of the games you have coming up, it's Anaheim twice, Colorado and Vegas. Anaheim's in my opinion, probably the weakest team out of those. Um, even though Vegas has had a real struggle to the start of the season, I think Colorado looked a bit iffy early as well. Uh, how is Colorado doing? They are sixth in their division. They're four, five, and one, but they uh, they have such a strong team. Um, so yeah, while Anaheim is the only one out of those in a playoff spot, 
Uh, I, I'm less concerned about Anaheim than I am about a Colorado or a Vegas. Anaheim's just been scoring a ton of goals and allowing a lot of goals, um, which I think benefits the Canucks because uh, I, I think they have firepower uh, and can win in a shootout. Like a, not a shootout, like after overtime shootout, like a shootout, like lots of goals. Um, Beast Mode, the last question we're going to take. Do you think we make the playoffs? So the Canucks are what? Uh, four, five, six, and one now? Five, six, and one. Uh, looking at the standings, we'll pull the standings back up here on screen that I put together. Um, look, they're literally two points out of a playoff spot, but they'd have, you know, San Jose would have a couple games in hand. Um, looking at the teams in front of us, Vegas, like um, who just mentioned that? Uh, the the colon three name, uh, the, the face, <laughs> um, they just mentioned Vegas, lots of Vegas's top players are the lineup and that's totally fair. Uh, I can see Vegas struggling for a while. I just don't see Vegas not being in it, right? They've just been so good for so long. Um, so I, I think Vegas gets in, I think Anaheim and San Jose fall a bit. The Canucks need to be better than Seattle and then all three of the California teams. That needs to be the four below them. Uh, and then if they can be ahead of Vegas, that's just, that's just gravy. Um, I think they can do that. So I, I'm still on the side of yes. However, they do need to get that power play more consistent. This can't be a one-off. They do need the penalty kill to be better. Uh, the Canuck, this Canucks team has holes. If these holes get fixed, it's a playoff team. And we said it was a playoff team from the start. We looked at the roster. We said it's a playoff team. And I'm still on that boat if the issues get fixed, uh, if the execution's tighter, if we, you know, clean up these sloppy passes, um, if the penalty kill can keep the puck out of the net, and if the power play can churn out a 24, 25%, then it's a playoff team. However, they have given us a lot of reason to have some doubt uh, early on in the season. So uh, I'll say yes, I think they're a playoff team. If they play to their full potential, which we haven't seen a lot of yet this year. Um, but I, I feel like it's got to go up from here. So with that, I will say, yes, it's a playoff team. Yes, this team makes the playoffs if they step it up. All right. That's it for me tonight, folks. If you enjoyed the stream, we do this after every single Canucks game. So make sure you're subscribed, turn on notifications, hit the little bell. I don't think I've ever asked you guys to hit the bell next to the subscribe button, but if you all do that, that would be sick. You get a notification when we go live, uh, whenever I post another video, which I haven't done a lot lately because I'm doing these streams. Uh, tomorrow, Canucks After Dark. It's kind of a special episode, but I'm not going to tell you why. So make sure you're subscribed to the Canucks After Dark YouTube channel, 10 p.m. tomorrow night and every Monday night live on the Canucks After Dark YouTube. You can find it linked in the description. Uh, follow me on Twitter. Join the Discord. Do all that good stuff. I really appreciate you all hanging out tonight, and I will see you tomorrow night for Canucks After Dark, and I will see you at about 9.30 p.m., same time, same place, after the Canucks hopefully take down the Anaheim Ducks. All right. Have a good one, folks. See you later.